Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is your rolling into the weekend edition. This is Mike Kegley, and I'm on with Matt Stevens, our Illini staff writer who covers the football beat. And we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Rutgers game. Matt, how are you doing today? Not bad. How about you doing, Mike? I'm doing excellent here in uh, warm Dallas. Thank God it's uh, 70 degrees. It looks a lot colder up where you're at. So the, the, the first question, obviously, Illinois is going to be playing Rutgers. It's dad's day. You know, this is, this is a big game, uh, a game that, you know, a while back we all thought was kind of didn't really matter anymore because the team was heading on a road to the wrong path. Now all of a sudden the opportunity, you can kind of see the turn lane and the opportunity to turn to Rose Bowl exit, or not Rose Bowl, but A Bowl exit is up ahead. They've got an opportunity. So the first question that comes to my mind is, of course, with uh, Sikowski out for the year with the broken arm. And we know that Brandon Peters has had some challenges with the injury bug. I'm going to ask you two questions. If it's Coach Matt Stevens on the sideline, what do you do if Peters comes out of the game? And then the second question is, what do you think Coach B is going to do if that happens? This doesn't require two answers, Mike, because uh -oh. what, what Coach Bielema would do is exactly what Coach Stevens would do, and that would be play Ryan Johnson at quarterback. And and I, I guess I have to introduce Mr. Ryan Johnson. Yeah, you, please do that. Right, a Division II tran walk-on transfer from Northern Michigan who hasn't played football in two years, but from an arm strength standpoint and from, from a uh, accuracy standpoint, everything that we were told before he got to camp, it was very, very similar to Art Sitkowski and the sense that, you know, the short passing game is what Ryan Johnson worked with. He's a Green Bay native. Uh, Bielema was very, very familiar with him um, in the recruiting process a long time ago, potentially trying to get him to be a preferred walk-on at Wisconsin um, a while back. So uh, there was, there's, or I'm sorry, getting his brother to be a preferred walk-on at Wisconsin from a while back. And so there's, there's, there's a connection there with the family. Um, he's thrown for over, I think, 2,500 yards at the D2 level at Northern Michigan. I would play him. And, 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 and the reason I would play him is because I just don't think it's fair at this point, eight weeks into the season, to see what Samari Collier's got because I just don't think – putting that, that kind of pressure on, on an 18 year old is fair, especially when he's, he's doing so well and gaining so much confidence running the scout team right now and doing the developmental team right now for, for coach Bielema. Now he'd be lexed in line if something happened to Ryan Johnson, but this is where I would go. And, and, and to pull it back to Brandon Peters, Mike, you have to have a plan B because Brandon's never made it through a season healthy. As we now know, he hasn't made it through this one healthy, but I will say this about Brandon and I'm not trying to carry the water for Brandon Peters or the Peters family or any, anybody like that. What I will say is that there always has been a game since Brandon's been at Illinois where you go, well, where's that? Geez, Brandon, where's that been all year? I go back last year at Nebraska where he couldn't miss and yeah. had all the confidence in the world and led them to a blowout win in Lincoln. And you're sitting there, Mike, and you're wondering, well, gee, where's this been all year? Okay, go back and watch the bowl game against Cal two years ago where you're like, God, this guy's a leader. He's diving for first downs. He's throwing for 260 yards. Where's this been all year? 
You know, where's this consistency for four quarters been all year? We haven't had that game yet from Brandon. And I, we're, it, we're due for it. Like, honest yeah. to God, we're all due for it. Maybe it comes this week if the weather permits. But I, I do think that, um, you know, I, I, I think you have to lean toward experience. Ryan Johnson's experience is at the D2 level. But I, I think I think trying a, trying a new system and a completely – 180 offense with say like an Isaiah Williams or a deuce span in this game, eight weeks into a season, it, 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 it's just not practical. And this isn't Madden, everybody, this isn't a video game. You can't, you just can't do it. And I'm not willing to, re- to retard the growth of Isaiah Williams at wide receiver or deuce span at wide receiver in order to make that move. I've never been, I've never been willing to do it and I'm not going to do it now, especially since I'm not entirely confident at the accuracy of one Isaiah Williams throwing the football or one Deuce span throwing the football. So um, I I think you've got to try to make the play action game work with whoever you have behind center, whether that's, whether that's Brandon Peters or it's Ryan Johnson in case of an injury. It's a long way for me to say I'm, I'm playing the D2 walk on if if Brandon gets hurt on Saturday. Okay. No, that's fair. And, and I know, like, there's I, – I really – very rarely do I ever question an athlete's toughness. And I wouldn't question Brandon Peters. Uh, unfortunately, what happens is is some guys do just have a tendency. It's not their fault, but they just get injured more often. It happens to them. It is what it is. And so that's what made me ask the question because no other sport is the, is the specter of injury hang over the top of it like it does in football. And, of course – that when you're not on the field, you can't contribute. And so that was the only reason that I asked the question. Let me, let me, let me stop you, Mike, and, and point this out. I, I, I am of the opinion that, what is it now, three weeks ago um, when they played Wisconsin, I, I do not think the Big Ten Network sideline reporter did Brandon Peters or the University of Illinois any favors because I happen to know that they might have asked Brandon are you cleared to go back in? And he said, no, I watched him do seven step drops, five step drops. The minute he got out of the, out of the, out of the injury tent and had, and had train had Illini training staff, look at him, shake their head and go, uh, uh-uh. uh. and, and so Brandon Peters did not refuse to go back in that football game against Wisconsin and did not say, no, I'm not going back in as it might have been in, in, interpreted on big 10 network let's just put it that way um he did not he was he had his helmet taken away when he came out at halftime like so there was no chance so i i just i i am telling you that from a toughness standpoint um if brandon peters is healthy enough to go and they 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 clear him he will go and and i don't think that there's a i don't think there's any kind of we use the word quit way too loosely anymore in terms of talking about sports from, from a, from a social media standpoint, um, Brandon Beaters did not quit on Illinois at Wisconsin. He was taken out of the game by medical people. And I was told it was a pretty significant torso injury that could have got, and I'm not, I'm not going to be shocked if Brandon has to wear something, you know, around the torso area to keep himself protected on Saturday against Rutgers. So, um, I do think you need a plan B because Brandon could take a hit and be be right back to where you had him, like at the homecoming game against Wisconsin. But I will say, um, I I do think he's, he's a lot more healthy than he has been in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And and like I said, I just want to underscore, 
you don't hear me talk about athletes, you know, and, and heart too awful much when it comes to injuries, because, uh, you know, you're just, you're, you're just not there. And some of the hits and the contact that the human body really wasn't designed to, to take on a regular basis happens to, uh, guys on a football field 20 or 30 times a game. And, uh, it's amazing how they, how resilient they are. But I did want to, I did want to ask that just because you do get the fans who want to do a lecture on social media about, you know, their relative toughness of 30 years ago that they can barely remember, assuming that their facts are even close to remotely true. And I'm one of those old guys, so I know exactly what it's like to not be. Rem- I think that I think Billy Joel said it best when the good old days weren't always good. And um, that's kind of how we all remember back when we were impervious and perfect, et cetera. Um, the other question I have is Rutgers looks like they got a, a decent defense. Um, their offense has been struggling. Is it safe to assume that, that this is going to be a battle of uh, the Illini rushing game against whatever uh, Rutgers defense can do to try to try to stop it after watching it just roll over Penn State? It's interesting to me. I think the matchup to me, Mike, is, is very is, – is interesting in the sense that you've got two staffs that couldn't know each other any better. Yeah. You know, there is a world in which if Kirk Ferentz hires Greg Chianu back in the early 90s to be the defensive coordinator of the Iowa Hawkeyes, he would have been Brett Bielema's boss. Back at, back in Iowa, there's there's a world where that that exists. Um, it's the first time that they got they met was when he interviewed to be the defensive coordinator at Iowa under Kirk Ferentz. Um, I think Greg was at, with the Bears at that Chicago Bears at that point. Uh, they've known each other for 25, 30 years. They worked with each other with the Patriots when they were both flushed out of college football and Bill Belichick revived their careers in New England. They worked together both as analysts, just sitting in the office dissecting film for Bill Belichick. So they know each other really, really well. The defensive coordinator, Rob Smith, was Brad, or I'm sorry, was Brett's defensive coordinator at Arkansas um, the entire time. These two guys know, I mean, these these two staffs know each other really, really well. And so when Greg Schiano showed up on Monday for his press conference, he basically noted two things. One was Illinois completely restructured itself offensively compared to what they had done the entire year by, you know, using the seven man offensive line and using the nine man offensive line and just flat running the football and not, not, and getting, staying disciplined with it. And Greg Schiano basically said on Monday, I, I suspected unless they do a complete 180 shift and I don't know why they would, they're going to do the same thing. And, and I think Rutgers has had trouble stopping the run, especially in this, in this series and in this matchup. When they play Illinois, where everybody remembers how well Isaiah Williams ran all over him through what was basically a wildcat formation a couple of years ago when Brandon was hurt. Um, and I, I do think that there is a sense that Rutgers has some concerns about what if we don't if we don't if we don't fill the run up really well, they're going to do the same thing in Champaign that they've they've they felt confident in doing in practice the last couple of weeks. I, I just think this is this what. What I think Illinois has a major advantage in, Mike, is that I don't think Rutgers has proven to – while Illinois, I think, has found, obviously, its identity, and we've detailed it this week on Illini guys, what their offensive identity is. And Tony Peterson, as a play caller, has stayed disciplined, at least against Penn State, with that identity. 
Rutgers doesn't have an identity on offense and Illinois takes advantage of teams when they don't have an identity on offense. And I, I just think that this is a classic Greg Shiano, Brett Bielema type football game. And if Rutgers doesn't run the football very well and they can't, their offense can't stay on the field and Brett Bielema's team is able to dominate the time of possession like they did at, at Penn state by a two to one margin, Illinois is going to win the football game again. So You've got two guys that I think see the world of football very, very similarly, and I think that they're going to try to basically win the football game with each other's game plan. That's going to be pretty similar. I, I honestly believe that both coaches could walk out to midfield during the coin toss, hand each other the play sheet, and they'd look down and go, wow, this is pretty similar. I, I mean, they could really kind <laughs> of exchange it, and I, I just think that that's the way that Greg Schiano and Brett Bielema see the world, and and that's that's never going to change. So I, I I think it'll be an interesting matchup. And I know that this this has become a cliche over time, but I think the the team that executes what they want to do from a physicality standpoint a heck of a lot better is probably just going to win the football game. And as it always does, Mike, I think that that yard or yard and a half in between the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball is going to dictate who wins this football game. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Will we learn this week? if this iteration of the Illinois football team can handle success? I, I guess. I mean, it could get to kickoff. Mike and Rutgers could be a three or four point favorite. It's it's the, the line has shifted four or five, four or five points in favor of Rutgers because Illinois opened as a two point favorite. Um, and then it seemed like every shark in Vegas just pounded Rutgers for like a 48 hour period. Um, yeah. So I think if you look at the two home games that they have left and you're Brett Bielema and you go, okay, if we're, if we're really getting better as a football team, week to week, practice to practice day by day, we should be beating Rutgers and we should be beating Northwestern because both of those programs right now are in a current tailspin. Should. Yep. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, yeah, I think, I think we're going to find out what kind of hangover there is um, from the Penn state win. But I'm not too sure that there's that much of a hangover because I do think, especially on the offensive side of the ball, especially with the passing game, there's still stuff that Illinois feels like that they could be 10 times better in right now from an execution standpoint. So Brett Bielema keeps pushing on the idea that we're not nearly where we need to be right now, fellas. And I think, Mike, that the three and five record that they have right now as they go into practice this week continues to reinforce the fact that we can't think that we're, we're we've arrived anywhere because our record suggests that we still haven't. And so I think that's a humbling factor that points toward the coaching staff being able to get their attention. And then my last question, do we think Brandon Peters can pass against this Rutgers defense? Are we going to see this team exceed 50 yards of passing? Are we going to even get to that unbelievable level where we have triple digit passing yes the answer okay. first of all the answer to your question is first yes the second question is i've seen brandon in a game against an opponent who wasn't the illinois defense in a spring game have success i've seen it with my own eyes <laughs> I, i've actually seen it i don't know what happened to brandon this year from a confidence standpoint from a physical standpoint all of it i don't know but like I've said before, there's always a game that Brandon Peters just shows up and goes, wait, wait, 
BP. Like, where the heck has that been all year? And so, yes, I do think you're going to see advancements in, in the passing game. I do think that if there's less of an accuracy concern from the quarterback, look, our subscribers, Mike, and our, our, our people on our message boards aren't going to be happy for me to say this. I think Tony Peterson has continued to get better and better as a play caller as time has gone on, judging by the Penn State game and some of the things that he wanted to do in the passing game, Mike, and just couldn't get executed because he can't go down and execute it for him. Yep. It was really, really cool to look at, right? Um, the, the stuff that they're doing with the tight ends, I love. I think that they realize that there's, there's, a, there's an advantage there with like a Daniel Barker, with a Luke Ford. All we have to do now is to get penalties to not happen when we complete the pass to Daniel Daniel Barker or we need to get Luke Ford to actually catch the ball um, when it's thrown to him. Um, and then there's going to come a point, statistically, where Illinois is going to take the, the deep shot and actually complete it. I, I just – and and they're getting closer and closer. I know Tony Peterson keeps saying they're getting closer and closer, but – if Brandon Peters shows up, if the Brandon Peters that showed up last year in Lincoln, Nebraska, shows up Saturday against Rutgers, they're going to have a much more balanced attack, and I think Illinois blows Rutgers out. Um, I really do. But if Brandon Peters, even if even if a you know average Brandon Peters shows up on Saturday, I think you can get to hundred yards and you can have more balance. But I will say this, Mike, and, and you know that. I've, I've been saying this since I showed up on the beat in August. I just don't know if that position under Brett Bielema is the most important position on the football field offensively. I think you, I think the guy that they turn and hand the football to 65% of the time is going to be the guy that you're going to want to focus on if you're watching Illinois' offense for the next three to five years. And I know that's frustrating for Illinois fans that, like, that, you know, like you and me, Mike, that saw, you know, Tony Eason and going back further than me, but Jack Trudeau and Jeff George and Kurt Kittner, you know, throw for 300 yards, right? I mean, it, that's frustrating for Illinois fans that want to go back to that, but you might see running backs go for almost 200 more often than not now than, than they did in the past under Brett Bielema. And what's, what's the, what's the difference? I, 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 I'll leave it with this and that I've said this to a number of people this week, Mike, if you play a Mike Leach offense, Mike, and you're, you're, you're trying to play defense. You know what they're going to do. They're going to throw the football. Right. That doesn't mean you can stop it. If you play a Brett Bielema offense, you know they're going to run the football. Saturday in, Penn, in Happy Valley, Mike, proved that doesn't mean you can stop it. It doesn't mean it's conservative. Like, they're trying right. to hit home runs in the run game, and it works. And I'm, I'm telling you, I think that this Illinois offense, just like they did against Charlotte, just like they did against Penn State, I think that they can hit some home run shots against this Rutgers defense because no matter if it's in the run or the pass, once the Big Ten schedule has started, Rutgers has given up a bunch of big plays on defense. And I think that that's a major concern for Greg Schiano. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to be in a situation where, you know, the team handles the success, you know, despite their record, their kids. Um, they, they, and, and if they listen to coach the coaching staff, they'll be prepared to play, come out and take care of business. And the stacking days is a real, you know, it's, it's, it's a cliche, but in this particular case, it works, you know, they've got, they've got three cups out of four that they have to stack and 
this one is the most important because it's the one they're playing, you know, Saturday. Let me tell so you, Mike. Let's hope. Let me, yeah, let me tell you, Mike, for the Doug Kramers and the Alex Pelcheskis and uh, Owen Carneys of the world, that bowl eligibility of six wins is a major carrot for this group right now, and it's still out there. It's absolutely still out there, and they can get two-thirds of the way there on Saturday if they beat Rutgers, and, and that's a big, big thing for this program if they can just keep – they can keep having practices and keep having games like they did these last couple of weeks right after the bye week. I think you could see an Illinois team that continues to trend upward. Yeah, and 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 look, they've got an opportunity. Very few people have this in life, but and and COVID was bad, and and it you know we we can't underestimate or or understate that. But for these seniors, it's given them a chance to rewrite their legacy at University of Illinois. And now they they need to win three out of four games, but to make it to a bowl to get there in the first year of a new coach and to, and to kind of set the world, you know, right in terms of what they did during their tenure, this is a golden opportunity and hopefully they can, they can keep that to stay motivated. If they, if they, if, if they achieve it, Mike, look, look at it this way in a year where you didn't play Michigan and you didn't play Ohio state, if they get to six wins, we went to a bowl game, we beat Nebraska, we beat Penn State, and we beat Northwestern and won the in-state rivalry game for the first time in a number of years. That's pretty cool for the Doug Kramers and Brandon Peterses and, and, and Alex Balcheskis and Owen Carneys of the world. That's pretty cool for them to be able to walk out of there knowing the land of Lincoln Trophy is in Champaign. No, and, and knowing that they, they started the year with a win against Nebraska and, and in the middle of the year turned their season around against a win against Penn State and made it to a postseason game before they walked off campus. And that's pretty cool. I think that'll be really cool for them. And trust me, that's a huge carrot out there that the coaches are kind of putting out there saying this could, this could be how you, how, you, how you fix things. Perfect. Well, with that, Matt, thanks for taking the time here. We're just trying to get you – ready for the weekend, give you something for your drive time on a Friday to listen to. Uh, please make sure that you go to IlliniGuys.com, subscribe. You get a free seven-day period, so we don't charge your uh, credit card until the seventh day. And give us a whirl. I think you'll find that there's a lot of people who uh, have enjoyed us. We don't get very many people who tell us after seven days they don't want to be there. And then, of course, you can always listen to Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. If you go to the radio tab, radio, not radial, but radio tab on our uh, ribbon up on top of the website, you can get a list of the stations nearby you in the state of Illinois, and you can get the time and listen to it. And if you can't do that, it, the podcast downloads at noon on Saturdays so that you can listen to the show and get ready for the weekend as well. And with that, I want to thank everybody, and we will talk to you on the post-game pods after the basketball and football games this weekend. Thanks, everyone.